Well, we're starting a new series tonight out of the book of Ecclesiastes. And I've been telling people, studying Ecclesiastes, preaching through Ecclesiastes, and I get this look from them, like, why would you ever choose to do that? And that's part of what we're out to, to answer tonight, is, is why Ecclesiastes? But I remember taking a, a counseling course, actually, it was counseling from the book of Ecclesiastes in college. And I remember going to that class, well, not every time, but I remember going to that class, the times that I went and feeling like this is the biggest beatdown I've ever experienced. And I know I'm selling y'all on this st- book study already right off the bat, but I remember going and thinking to myself, man, this is a, a book that's all about life being meaningless. And yeah, I know at, at the end, he comes to this conclusion that we're supposed to fear God and, and obey him. But he spends the whole time telling me that everything that I find delight and joy in is vapor, vanity. And I remember just feeling like, man, this is a, a pointless study, and why would anyone ever want to counsel somebody from the book of Ecclesiastes? I feel like that is a clear ticket to suicidal thoughts. But see, the problem is I had a misunderstanding of the book, and, and I feel like so many people have a misunderstanding of this book, because really the, the author's not out to crush your hopes and dreams of ever finding any sort of joy and satisfaction in this world. The author is not out to, to depress you. The author is not out to, uh, to cause you to, to look at every pleasure that this world might offer sideways and go, well, I can't do that because I'm a Christian and, and Christians don't enjoy the world because that's a bad thing. See, that's how we like to think about Ecclesiastes. We think about Ecclesiastes as though the author is telling us in the first 11 chapters of the book, hey, this is everything that I did to, to run after all the things that the world holds out as good. And, and you know what? It's all just vanity. And in chapter 12, he gets to this place and he says, you know what, so remember your creator in the days of your youth. And then he goes on to metaphorically describe old age. He says, before old age sets in. And then he comes to the conclusion and he says, look, when all is said and done, you need to fear God and keep his commandments. And, And we can read that and we can think, okay, so don't have any fun in life and just obey God and do everything the Bible tells me to do. But again, see, that's a misunderstanding of the book. One of the things and one of the main topics of this book that he addresses head on and why I think it's so crucial for us and important for us, and there's a double entendre here with the title of this series beginning at the end, is this. He tackles the issue of our mortality. He, in other words, he, he addresses the reality that we are all, every single one of us, unless Christ comes back first, going to die. And see, that's the key to understanding the book. Solomon, the author, is not out to say there's no point in having any sort of fun or pursuing any sort of pleasure in this world. He's out to say you need to to live in this world in light of the reality that death is coming. And what is that going to mean for you? What is that going to mean for me? What is that going to mean for us? But the series is also called Beginning at the End because in order to understand the book and in order to understand what Ecclesiastes is really all about, we have to understand what the conclusion of the book says. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 through 14 says, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. 
So at the end, when, when Solomon's pushing back from the table after he's written everything else down in this book, he says, look, this is the summation of it. Yes, death is coming. And because death is coming, the, the conclusion is you need to fear God and keep his commandments. And the reason behind that is because as you live this life, you need to live this life in light of the future judgment that you're going to experience from the Lord. And you might say, well, I'm in Christ. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And yes, you're right. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And you don't have hell to fear as a believer in Jesus Christ. But in 2 Corinthians 5.10, the apostle Paul says that all of us will appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive what is due for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. So there's a day coming when you will stand before Christ and you will be judged and you will receive reward for the good things that you have done. And he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. But then there will also be the sins in your life that will burn up as dross before the Lord. And so that's a a, a certain reality for every single one of us. And in light of that reality, how should we live our lives? Well, that's what this book is really all about. And so it's not about don't have any fun. It's not about everything is pointless and meaningless and, and there's no purpose to anything in life. That, that's that's the, the misunderstanding of Ecclesiastes. It's about the reality of the pleasures of this world. If we're living only for this world, that's where this concept of vanity comes in. If your whole desire is, I want to have a happy, joyful, satisfied, fulfilled life here on this earth, and that's it, that's where your focus is. That's where this issue of this word vanity comes into play. Vanity, it's a Hebrew word, havel. The word means vapor or mist. So it's not, as some translations put out there, meaningless. Meaningless, meaningless. It's a a mishandling of the word. It means it's here and then gone. As you see steam rising off of a cup of coffee and you reach for that steam and try to grasp that steam, it's, it's there, but it's not going to be there for long. And you can't hold on to it. And so what the author is saying as he goes through all of these different things in life is he's saying, if you want to choose to live for all of these different things, if you want to choose to live for your accomplishments, your legacy, your family, your relationships, your works, your possessions, your money, if you want to live for those things, understand that your life is a vapor. It's here and it's gone. And any pleasure that you get out of making that your goal, that your purpose, that your fulfillment is going to be transitory and momentary and it's going to be gone before you know it. And you're going to be in trouble at the end. Instead, live light in light of the end. Fear God and keep his commandments. But Ecclesiastes, what in the world? Why did I say Ecclesiastes is a great book for a bunch of college students? A few reasons. Five of them. Number one, it's scripture. Sounds obvious, but it's, it's God's word and it falls under the umbrella of 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, which let me remind you of what that says. It says all scripture, all scripture, and, and remember this is Timothy writing, or this is Paul writing to Timothy rather, and he's writing and he's saying all scripture. When Paul wrote the word scripture, what did he have in mind there? Did he have the New Testament in mind or the Old Testament in mind primarily? Old, Right? He didn't have the, the, the Gideon pocket New Testament in his back pocket. Why? Because he was still writing a lot of that. So does it apply to the New Testament? Certainly. But, but Paul's mindset, he's thinking back to the Old Testament. He's saying, look, all scripture is God-breathed 
In other words, a, a product of God. God is, is inspiring the, the, the content. It's from the Lord onto the pages of the Bible, and it's useful, it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be well equipped for every good work. So Ecclesiastes is part of the Bible, and therefore we need to give ourselves to the study of it, and that includes from the pulpit. But the second reason why Ecclesiastes, specifically for y'all, is it, it's a book that wrestles with questions that I know all of you have entertained. It's a book that wrestles with the reality of living life. And, and sometimes, uh, I'm, I'm sure some of you come in here and you sit down in here and you're like, okay, let's, let's go book of James, let's go book of Philippians, Colossians, everything else. And, and you feel like there's this pie in the sky version of Christianity that you feel like you'll never really be able to measure up to that's being preached at you. And you get discouraged by that. Well, Ecclesiastes is a book for you because it's a book that's on the ground. It's a book that's wrestling with questions, wrestling with the issues like the question of what's the point of life? What is my purpose? Why do I even bother getting up? I feel like everything that I live for, I I can't find satisfaction. I can't find joy. I can't find meaning. Ecclesiastes tackles those questions. Or the question about happiness. Where can I find happiness? What should make me happy? How do I look at what the world says is going to make me happy and supposed to make me happy? And and what should I do with that? Ecclesiastes is going to wrestle with that. Other question, well, what about death? Some of you may have thought a lot about death. For some of you, death is a terrifying prospect. For others, others of you, death is just something that you think, it doesn't apply to me, it's something that's way in the distant future and I don't need to worry about it right now. Some of you have come face to face with death through the death and, and the loss of loved ones in your life. Ecclesiastes deals with that reality. And it, 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 it puts it right front and center with us so that we can no longer just treat it as this taboo subject that we're really not comfortable addressing and thinking about. Ecclesiastes says, no, for us who are followers of God, we need to deal with our mortality and what that means for us. Another issue that Ecclesiastes addresses is depression. What do I do when I've chased everything and it's left me empty? Where do I go? Where do I turn? How do I avoid that black hole? How do I avoid laying in bed at night and thinking to myself, I don't even want to wake up in the morning? Ecclesiastes is going to address that. And what do we do in those situations? And so that's the second reason why. It's it's because it wrestles with these things. It's on the ground. It's in the nitty gritty. It's in the gutter with you, wrestling with just how do I live as a follower of God in a world that's so hard to do that. Third reason why, the book is honest. And not only asks those questions, it doesn't sugarcoat the answers. The author doesn't sit here and say, cheer up, put a smile on your face because God's sovereign. No, he brings us 
up close and personal with the reality of saying, look, everything is vanity. I mean, when the book begins, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. That's not a way to win friends and influence people. So this book is honest. It's not going to lie to you. It's not going to give you the the, the sugar-coated answer to these questions. It's going to allow you with the author, with Solomon, to walk through these scenarios and wrestle through them with him and see where he's come out on the other end and on the other side. So it's honest. Fourth reason why we're studying Ecclesiastes is, as I've mentioned a couple times and alluded to, it's, it's written by King Solomon. King Solomon was one of the wisest men the world has ever known. You remember the scenario there where God, after Solomon takes the throne, grants Solomon a a request. And Solomon asks for what? Wisdom, right? And God says, because you asked for wisdom and not for wealth and not for length of years, I'm going to add those things to you as well, but I'm going to give you this wisdom. So much wisdom did Solomon possess that the queen of Sheba came and and journeyed a long journey to, to, to visit him, to hear of his wisdom and to sit under his wisdom. And so we get to sit under his wisdom as well through studying this book. And then finally, its conclusion, that conclusion that I read a moment ago, fear God and obey his commandments for the Lord will bring every thoughtless deed to account on the day of judgment. This conclusion is going to help you navigate every circumstance you will ever face. You can take the conclusion of the book of Ecclesiastes and make that your, your true north, for lack of a better term, in life. To pursue that, to follow that, to live that way. And it will not let you down. So that's why Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is a unique book. It's, it's 12 chapters, and it's one that maybe you come across in the daily Bible reading, and you kind of just go, okay, and you, and you pull yourselves up by your bootstraps, and you just figure, I'm going to just get through this. Or maybe Ecclesiastes is a book that you've never read, because you've thought to yourself, there's a, a song about, there's a time, and I think the birds sang a song about that or whatever, but I just, I'm not interested in, in, in this book. Or maybe you don't like it because you're like me. When I was where y'all are at and you're thinking to yourselves, man, this book is a beating and I just, let me just skim through it and get through it so I can say I've done my full daily Bible reading and and move on with that. But here's what I I want us to do. Because understanding the the fullness of this book and, and understanding the fullness of King Solomon's argument in this book is so important. And the whole series, after all, is called Beginning at the End. Uh, what we're going to do is something a little bit different, something that I've never done with you all and something that uh, is not something that you'll have me do much um, in the future, I would doubt, but it's this. We're going to read the book together tonight. And so if you don't have a Bible with you, you don't have a phone with you, you don't have a Bible with you, we've got Bibles back on the back table there. I'm going to be reading out of the book of uh, Ecclesiastes from the ESV, which is what those are. But if you've got your phone, your tablet, your computer, your device, whatever, go ahead and open them up to the book of Ecclesiastes. And we're going to read it through together, which should take roughly 25 minutes. Unless I speed read. But we're going to go through this. And again, here's the reason why. I would encourage you to read through it as many times as you possibly can over the next 10 weeks or so that we're going to be in the book, studying the book. 
live in the book of Ecclesiastes, know the book of Ecclesiastes, marinate in the book of Ecclesiastes, but knowing that not all of you are going to do that, I want to make sure that all of you at least hear the book one time through. So we're going to read through the book. After we're done with that, I'm going to go ahead and and pray, and then we're going to have our, our small group time following that, okay? All right. Ecclesiastes, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities. And as we continue to read, I'm going I'm to change the, that word. When you, we come across vanity, I'm going to read the word vapor in its place, okay? Vapor of vapors, says the preacher. Vapor of vapors, all is a vapor. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down, and it hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, where they flow again, all things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There's nothing new under the sun. There's a thing of which it is said, see, this is new. It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of latter things yet to come among those who come after. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vapor and a striving after the wind." What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself, but behold, this also was vapor. I said of laughter, it's mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired I did not keep from them. 
I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil that I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vapor and a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vapor. For all of the wise, for of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life. Because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vapor and a striving after the wind. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool? Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vapor. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vapor and a great evil. What has a man, what has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he's given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vapor and a striving after the wind. For everything, there's a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I've seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there's nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. 
That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice, even there was wickedness. And in the place of righteousness, even there was wickedness. I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked for there is a time for every matter and for every work. I said in my heart with regard to the children of man that God is testing them, that they may see that they themselves are but beasts. For what happens to the children of man and what happens to beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath and man has no advantage over beasts for all is vapor. All go to one place. All are from the dust and to dust all return. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth. So I saw there's nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work for that is his lot. Who can bring him to see what will be after him? Again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun and behold, the tears of the oppressed and they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors, there was power and there was no one to comfort them. And I thought the dead who, already, who are already dead more fortunate than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been and he has not yet seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. Then I saw all that the toil and all skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vapor and striving after the wind. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and of striving after wind. Again, I saw vapor under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there's no end to all his toil and his eyes are never satisfied with riches so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vapor and an unhappy business. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who's alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. For he went from prison to the throne, though in his own kingdom he had been poor. I saw all the living who move about under the sun along with that youth who was to stand in the king's place. There was no end of all the people, all of whom he led. Yet those who come later will not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and a striving after the wind. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer sacrifice of fools. For they do not know what they are doing, that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few, for a dream comes with much busyness and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It's better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vapor, but God is the one you must fear. If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter. For the high official is watched by a higher one and there are yet higher ones over them. 
But this is gain for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivated fields. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vapor. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them? With his eyes, sweet is the sleep of a laborer when he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There's a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture, and he is the father of a son but has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came, and he shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness, in much vexation and sickness and anger. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment. In all the toil with which one toils under the sun, the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot." Everyone also to whom God has given the wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God, for he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. There's an evil that I have seen under the sun and it lies heavy on mankind, a man to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires, yet God does not give him power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vapor, and it's a grievous evil. If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, and he also has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he, for it comes in vanity and goes in darkness." And in darkness, its name is covered. Moreover, it has not seen the sun or known anything, yet it finds rest rather than he. Even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good, do not all go to that one place. All the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. For what advantage has the wise man over the fool? And what does the poor man have who knows how to conduct himself before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. This also is vapor and a striving after the wind. Whatever has come to be has already been named. And it is known what man is and that he is not able to dispute it with one stronger than he. The more words, the more vanity. And what is the advantage to man? For who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow. For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? A good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death than the day of birth. It's better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting for this is the end of all mankind and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter for by sadness of face, the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It's better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fools. This also is vapor. Surely the oppression drives the wise into madness and a bribe corrupts the heart. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance an advantage to those who see the sun. 
For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. And the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. In the day of adversity, consider that God has made the one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. In my vain life, I have seen everything. There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in evil doing. Be not overly righteous, and do not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you should take hold of this, and from that withhold not your hand, for the one who fears God shall come out from both of them. Wisdom gives strength to the wise man more than ten rulers who are in a city. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Do not take to heart all the things people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. All this I have tested by wisdom. I said I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which has been is far off and deep, very deep. Who can find it out? I turned my heart to know and to search out and to seek wisdom in the scheme of things and to know the wickedness of folly and the foolishness that is madness. And I find something more bitter than death, the woman whose heart is snares and nets and whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God escapes her, but the sinner is taken by her. Behold, this is what I found, says the preacher, while adding one thing to another to find the scheme of things, which my soul has sought repeatedly, but I have not found. One man among a thousand I found, but not... But a woman among all these I have not found. See, this alone I found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. Who is like the wise? Who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme. And who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing. And the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything. Although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For he does not know what, they, what is to be. For who can tell him how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun when man had power over man to his hurt. Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and they were praised in the city where they had done such things. This also is vapor because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily. The heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked. Neither will he prolong his days like a shadow because he does not fear before God. There is a vapor that takes place on earth, that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked, and there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that also is vapor, and I commend joy, for man has nothing better under the sun but to eat, drink, and be joyful, for this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the busyness that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep. Then I saw all the work of God that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. 
However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It's the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and to him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner. And as he who swears is, as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil that is in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. And they, after that, they go to the dead. But he who is joined with the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. And they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love, their hate, their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. Go, eat your bread with joy. Drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments always be white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vaporous life that he has given you under the sun, because that's your portion in life and in your toilet which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom and shield to which you are going. Again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to all. For man does not know his time. Like a fish that is taken in an evil net and birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of man are snared in an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a, a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city, yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than the weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he is a fool. If the anger of rulers rises against you, do not leave your place for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. There's an evil that I've seen under the sun. As it were, an error proceeding from the ruler, folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stone is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the, lion, or if the iron is, is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed." If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and in the end of his talk, it is madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him? The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child, and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you. 
O land, when your king is the son of nobility and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through sloth, the roof sinks in and through indolence, the house leaks. Bread is made for laughter and wine gladdens life and money answers everything. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king nor in your bedroom curse the rich for a bird in the air will carry your voice or some winged creature will tell the matter. Cast your bread on the waters for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if the tree falls to the south or the north in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow. He who regards the clouds will not reap. And you do not know what the spirit, you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child. So you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed and that evening withhold your hand for you do not know which will prosper this or that or whether both are like will be good. Light is sweet and is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in all of them, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vapor. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. For youth and the dawn of life are vapor. Remember also the creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come, before the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed. And the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and the one rises up at the sound of a bird and all daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, the desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about on the streets before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vapor of vapor, says the preacher, all is vapor. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of the making of many books, there's no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing whether good or evil. You probably have more questions now than you did beforehand. And that's okay. Because as we go through the book, we'll answer the questions that you have. But I wanted you to hear the whole thing. It's a lot. There were some repeated things in there that you probably picked up as well. Things that that Solomon came back to and kept saying over and over again. Vapor, this, this concept that something is here and then gone. He talked a lot about death. He talked a lot about youth. He kept coming back to this one phrase and this one statement that he kept saying, eat, basically eat, drink, and be merry. 
for this is, he kept saying, your lot in life. So we're going to walk through this book this semester, and we're going to look at what does it look like to begin at the end? What does it look like for you all as, as you sit here in the vitality of youthfulness with, Lord willing, 60, 70 years, 80 years maybe for some of you in front of you? What does it look like for you to live in light of that death that seems so distant, that seems so unreal, that seems so surreal, that seems so ambiguous to you right now? What does it look like for you to live now in light of that day? And why is that so significant? Why is that so important? Solomon's going to lead us through that this semester. We pray, and then we do have small groups, and so we're going to go to, uh, to small groups. If you all are in Kenya's group, you're going to go with Chelsea um, tonight, and uh, yeah, so uh, let's, uh, let's pray together. God, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for this great reality, this great book. We thank you for being able to read aloud the word of God, the, the, the scripture. God, even as I was reading that, I was mindful that when these books were originally given, that's how they were received. They weren't received in little bite-sized chunks of a verse here and a verse there, or a chapter here and a chapter there. They were heard, they were read out loud to people. I even think of, of Ezra when he read the book of the law and the hearing of the people and the people were, were cut to their hearts because they realized how far they had drifted from what you desire of them. And they confessed their sins before you and they repented of their sins and, and it became a, a day of great joyfulness on the heels of the conviction because they knew that you were a God of, of love and a God of compassion and a God of kindness and a God of forgiveness and the great statement, the joy of the Lord is my strength, Lord, and all that came from the hearing of your word. Even, God, I'm, I'm mindful of the book of Revelation, which says, blessed are the, the ones who hear this book read. Father, give us a, a greater hunger for your word. I know sometimes we can even be so bold as to be bored with your word. God, forgive us for for that, for not understanding that this is communication from the God of all creation to us. And so Lord, I pray that this study would be fruitful this semester, that it would be good, that we would see our lives transformed by an encounter with your word in the book of Ecclesiastes, that it wouldn't be discouraging and depressing, but it would be a, the exact opposite, that it would be an encouragement towards godliness, towards Christ-likeness, that it would offer hope, that it would offer a, a blueprint for how we can live this life with joyfulness and not with despair. And so Lord, I, I pray these things, ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.